Welcome to the Trial Talks Podcast, a thought-provoking series surrounding clinical trial research. We'll be exploring current and future trends of the ever-changing clinical trial landscape as we discuss a variety of topics including virtual trials, patient centricity, novel and unique research, pandemic impact, and more. Join us and our expert guests on a journey through the evolution of clinical trials. Welcome, everyone. It's an exciting time to be here today to talk about uh, what's happening in Australia and New Zealand, specifically about how they've been uh, not impacted as much as North America and the EU in a COVID-19 world that we're all in. This is because they have uh, quick study startups, which is really important as far as a regulatory environment that can be dynamic in a, in a COVID-19 world. Um, and so this region in general has been very attractive to sponsors uh, for many years, but in a COVID world, it's become just even more important and also done a relatively good job of controlling the virus, which has uh, made for some great, great opportunities in the current times. Um, and then also um, what we've really appreciated out of Avant, so this is Mike, CEO of Medrio, what we've really appreciated uh, in partnering with Avant is their, their easy button style that they have to moving very, very quickly, and that syncs very well with Medrio and our e-clinical, EDC, e-source, and decentralized or virtual trials approach that we have. Um, so they've been a, a great uh, partner of Medro for many years, and we've seen a real, uh, real uh, positive environment uh, in recent months as they've been able to react very, very quickly to uh, what's been happening in the COVID world for uh, COVID-19 trials, as well as for uh, all their other ongoing trials. So oncology, for example, is an area we've seen where we really want trials that continue to operate because many of those participants are also being treated as part of the study. And, um, and therefore, it's really important that those trials have continuity. Um, and then, of course, all the other important work that's done in life sciences uh, that is be able to continue as, as well as it can. Um, so, Medro, we're all about uh, e-clinical and moving quickly, and it syncs very well with Avant. But uh, let, let, me, let me introduce uh, Yvonne and Sandrine at Avant and have you guys give a little bit about a talk about yourselves and maybe a quick overview of Avance Clinical and how you operate in general and how you're operating in uh, the COVID world. So Yvonne, let's start with you. Yeah, hi, um, thanks very much. So yeah, Yvonne Lugatazen, I'm the CEO of Avance Clinical. Um, we are a uh, full service uh, contract research organization. We're headquartered here in Adelaide, Australia, and we do have a really strong focus on early phase trials um, as our client base is predominantly um, biotech companies. Currently, 60% of our clients do come from the US, um, but increasingly we're supporting clients from Asia and Europe and work from that region is uh, definitely on the increase and growing uh, rapidly. Uh, we are a deeply experienced uh, group, having operating, been operating for 20 years in the industry in um, early phase clinical research. And I would say probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest PK and uh, PD analysis uh, teams in the region. We have partnered, um, I think we were the first partner with Medrio in Australia and Medrio has really supported us incredibly strongly in um, the trials that we conduct in that um, in this space. We are just over a headcount of a, a full-time equivalence of 100 people, located predominantly here, headquartered here in Australia, but really strong presence across Australia and New Zealand. But we successfully also extend our trials across uh, Europe and uh, the United States, and we do that by utilising CRO partnership relationships. Our services are all-encompassing, so we provide services in-house from basically protocol writing, 
for preparation of an investigator brochure, site management, monitoring, data management, biostatistics, the biometric analysis, and we can write the full study uh, reports. And we've certainly taken some of our clients all the way through to marketing so we know the quality meets you know, all of the standards expected from the regulatory agencies, um, the EMA, uh, FDA, and also the Asian agencies. I think the most important thing to note is that we differentiate ourselves from the big players in the industry space by our ability to be adaptable, flexible and nimble. And that's why Medrio is also a great partner because we see Medrio um, doing exactly the same thing. Um, and as part of that, we basically become part of our client's team early on, supporting them with really good, strong scientific advice and input. We have a very strong medical and scientific affairs department headed by someone who was in the drug development space for you know, over 14, 15 years. Um, as well as providing the service provision that's required to execute a good clinical trial. So we're not just a transactional CRO. Um, we really believe in, in partnership as we have that strong partnership with Medrio. Michael, you mentioned um, some of the advantages for coming to Australia and absolutely speed is really important. And, and so we do have a really um, favourable regulatory framework whereby the ethics committees are the ones that um, do the approval of a clinical trial. And Australia as a destination is one of the fastest places in the world where you can start up a trial. This is particularly important now that around the globe with COVID, so many trials are halted. Um, in fact, even um, uh, not being able to be started. And so Australia is increasingly being seen as a destination for um, being able to have that continuity of a development program. Uh, and that's very, very important. Supported by the fact that Australian clinical trials can be conducted without um, having had INDs in place in other jurisdictions. So it's not required that um, an IND is in place. And we're also seeing a lot of clients now approaching us to say, we're going to be completely hamstrung in terms of our development program and our timelines. So Australia is seen as a destination where we can actually start that up really quickly. Fantastic. And Sandrine, would you like to give us a little bit on your background? Yes, I'm Sandrine Lowers. I'm Director of Business Development at Avance Clinical. I've been with Avance just over 10 years and I've been heading up the data management team um, for most of these years. So I've been working with Metro um, in the early years um, and overseeing the data management and database builds for all of those years and grown with Metro um, a lot to, to what is now um, our main EDC platform. And we also use the EDC capabilities, um, e-consent and e-pro as well. You've talked in general about what's happening and what you've been seeing in, in your environment. Do you have any more specifics on COVID-19 and, and, and study starts there? For example, have you seen, uh, have you seen actually COVID-19 studies or have you seen a difference in, in people focusing on study starts in some different way that's happened in, in, uh, in now here we are in mid-2020? Have you seen a dramatic difference or is it more just continuity of the, the speed that you've had in the past with quick study starts, being able to respond in general to the needs in, in, in clinical trials? Uh, that then also applies to COVID-19 or, or have you seen any kind of changes in recent months? Yeah. So, look, uh, in all honesty, um, Australia is not a great, neither is New Zealand, a great destination to do actually COVID-19 patient trials or, you know, look at um, ARDS or any of those um, sort of conditions related to COVID-19 because we just haven't got the, the um, patient population because Australia and New Zealand have managed the pandemic very well. The government took... 
um, a very, um, I think they declared a pandemic before the WHO and took very strong action very early, which is really positive um, positive for us. So Australia has remained open for business and even the trial centres um, have actually um, stayed open for business for a small period of time. Um, for some of the patient trials for those patients that um, were at highest risk, um, the trials where patients were enrolled were continuing but they halted for a little while recruitment. But now Australia has basically opened up again and those trials are ongoing. So we've seen no closing of phase one units and and um, sites within um, uh, hospital institutions are open for business as well. Uh, and that's been a positive. There has certainly been a lot of interest in doing repurposed uh, drugs for COVID-19, and we're also seeing a lot of new chemical entities coming through. And as I said, in terms of the repurposed drugs, they tend to go straight into the patient population. We're not the destination for that. But in terms of doing your phase one um, safety tolerability studies in new chemical entities before you would move into a patient population, Australia is certainly a destination to look at because um, there's no issue in getting that healthy volunteer population and the phase one units are definitely um, open for business. Um, you know, Jacinta O'Hearn, who, is, um, who uh, is the leader in New Zealand, she took a very strong stance on so New Zealand is completely COVID-free. And here in Adelaide, South Australia, where we are, we are also completely COVID-free. So there's a couple of things that are impacting um, trials. And one is the nervousness of patients to go to your hospital centres and, and be involved in clinical trials. And we don't have that happening in our region. Um, and, the, and that also applies to healthy volunteers in terms of, um, you know, maintaining social distancing and not wanting to be, um, you know, with, in a group of other people, um, particularly where you're being um, a trial participant. So we are free of those concerns in our region and um, therefore uh, we are seeing um, a lot of trials being attracted. But outside of COVID-19, there are a lot of companies that, you know, have got funding or have got a development program that they really need to progress and have that continuity of um, business. And so for those trials as well, we're seeing a huge influx. So it's really a two-pronged sort of um, approach in Australia. But as I said, some clients are obviously making a decision about will they do their phase one uh, in a new chemical entity for COVID in Australia when they can't very quickly go into a patient population, but others are seeing the advantage of getting that data and then going to you know, countries like Brazil and US and parts of Europe where there's you know, massive outbreaks and we're seeing second waves now as well. Well, congratulations again on, on managing COVID-19 well so that you don't have a whole bunch of patients. I think that's great. Um, and obviously it limits ability to do those types of studies. But I, we've seen at Medro across the board in, in Australia, New Zealand, a bunch of studies, especially the early phase studies related to COVID-19. So, for example, out of China, where there's a long history of those studies coming to you at Avance and to others uh, in, in Australia and New Zealand for um, for having a place where you can really rely on the data uh, and then also for the regulatory environment that is, that's so conducive to moving quickly, which would mean which means COVID-19, as you say, early phase trials. So that's just a fantastic uh, gift to the world that you're giving us. That's really great. Tell me about tools. What what tools have you have enabled you to, to move so quickly? You know, how, how is it that uh, you're able to move quicker than than other smart people that are that are located around the world. Uh, in terms of our EDC platform, we use Metro for for our early phase studies, and um, that enables us to um, get a database up and running within four weeks. Um, so while the study is in ethics, we are ready to go, um, and so we can be um, live very quickly. 
Um, the other tools that we're currently um, using for, for some of our clients as well is the use of ASource or DDC, um, where all of the data is captured remotely and the data is um, we program our edit checks into our ASource um, so the data is cleaned and um, can remotely um, viewed by our clients overseas, which um, makes it very quickly to um, for making decisions. Um, there's no need for on-site monitoring, um, and so it, it makes the, the COVID-19 nervousness um, a little bit easier to, to manage for our clients and for our CRAs, um, as we're, sometimes we're not um, allowed to travel interstate, so we can still um, monitor all of that data and see how that is um, being managed. Um, also, the, um, the EPROM, which um, we're using for electronic diaries and questionnaires. We have, um, for example, a study across Australia and the US where patients are entering their patient diary data and questionnaire data um, in there very regularly without actually having to see the site. So we're using these tools to um, keep patients in the studies and for the site to manage these patients and for the sponsors to keep seeing that data coming in um, while the trials are ongoing. Well, as founder and CEO of Medrio, thank you for your kind words about Medrio's uh, EDC and, and DDC and EPRO and, and eConsent, all those capabilities. I appreciate that. It's great stuff. Um, and there's other stuff about that you do really well, though. Tell me about the regulatory environment uh, in Australia and New Zealand, which I know is extremely uh, favorable for moving quickly. Yeah. So um, Australia actually has a process which is called the clinical trial notification process. It's um, different from, um, you know, the, what happens in the US where you need to have your FDA IND in place and it's a regulatory approval. Here it's an ethics approval. So the ethics committees in Australia are referred to as HRECs, Human Research Ethics Committees, and they are responsible for the scientific um, an ethical review of a um, clinical trial and then it's just a simple notification to our regulator, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, TGA, via an electronic portal um, and um, once you've got that, you've submitted that notification, once you've got your ethics approval number, off we go and you can start your study. So for phase one studies, it's often from submission to approval can be as quick as four to five weeks and then you're in the clinic. Um, and then um, for latter phase studies, sometimes they need to be conducted within an, um, a hospital institution and the institutional ethics committees take that process. It's a little bit longer, um, but not significantly longer. It just depends on their governance process. We do have a central IRB or ethics committee called Belbury in Australia. They have 12 meetings um, uh, basically a week. And they will allow you, uh, 12 meetings a month, sorry, and they um, actually will guarantee you an um, ethics meeting two weeks from the time of submission. So they have a submission closing date or day every week on a Wednesday and you are guaranteed of a meeting two weeks from that point in time. So that's incredibly streamlined and very fast. That's not to say that it's not as rigorous as we would see, say, in the US. The committees are comprised of expert pharmacologists and um, clinicians uh, drug developers who are very well placed to do a very solid and scientific review. So it's not a shortcut, it's just a different structure, but it's a very um, streamlined and fast structure. And that's part of the reason why so many clients are attracted to coming uh, to Australia to do their early phase work. That coupled with not having to have um, an in-country IND in place 
um, makes it very favourable. So a lot of clients actually strategize to actually utilise that clinical data and the value of clinical data compared to uh, preclinical data is, you know, a paramount. So they can use that clinical data to support their IND filing or in some instances they may make go, no, go decisions on their asset, have a look at the safety tolerability profile from the trials done in our region and have a look at that early um, efficacy signal and make a decision about that asset, about whether or not they progress it or not. So, you know, we all know time is money. And so in Australia, that time saving um, is significant. Fantastic. I love it. And it's been great to watch you uh, execute on that so quickly over many years now. It's been it's been wonderful to see. Let's pivot towards talking about trial continuity right now. It's something that Medra, we've, we've seen a lot of our customers uh, worrying a lot about in the COVID world. Uh, so I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, we've seen, for example, a bunch of people pivoting to more remote usage. You touched on this earlier. But for example, people that are using EDC and then say, wow, people aren't coming into the clinic in the US or Europe or wherever it may be. And so maybe we should switch to EPRO and send, and send it directly to the patient so that it's fully remote. Or maybe we should use DDC. We're sending someone out to the patient's home with a, with a tablet rather than asking them to come into a hospital. Or maybe it's more about geography. So, hey, if, you, if you're not sure if you can run your trials in the U.S., uh, in the fall, if there's another lockdown, um, maybe you can run it in Australia or run the f- first couple phases in Australia and then pivot. W- what have you seen as far as sponsors talking about how to maintain trial continuity in the current world? Yeah, I'm going to hand over to Sandrine on this one. But, you know, we are seeing not just in our CRO space in terms of pivoting to more E um, sort of processes, we're also seeing that happening um, from, you know, a patient recruitment perspective. We're seeing a lot more adoption of telemedicine, which has been talked about but really poorly adopted um, historically. Um, and that's actually um, changing really the way in which we can access patients now because obviously with telemedicine and being able to recruit um, from a long distance, we're able to access patients who are a lot more remote. And so all of that combined is really changing the landscape in terms of how we do trials. Sandrine, I'll hand over to you. Yeah, as I said, using the ESOs and um, EPROS certainly help um, the remote availability of data. Um, And patients also feel more in control if they still be part of clinical trials. Um, Thanks to COVID-19, the whole world now knows what a clinical trial is. So um, everyone is keen to to be part of that. And um, especially patients in certain indications, they they want to keep going, um, participating in trials. And we do see um, clients from the U.S., um, now coming to Australia with more interest, thinking about future plans for the next couple of months, whether Australia is staying open, the US is still a little bit unsure um, whether the plans for Australia um, are might be a, a bigger chance of running their trial. Um, so we're certainly seeing an influx of studies um, coming this way. Um, and we, we are also running trials across Australia and, and the US. So some of our clients... Um, they still want to have their, um, their KOLs in the US, um, their sites that they've already contracted, um, and then opening sites in Australia so we can um, manage their sites here. We can um, either work with their EDC or um, add our data to their data um, and so continue their trials. So um, sponsors are certainly looking over the borders and looking around the world um, what options they have to, to continue their trials. Mm. And I think too, you know, it's it's 
important. Once upon a time, a sponsor from across the globe would get on a plane and they could come and visit a site. They could meet a, K, uh, you know, a, a um, investigator or a KOL, or they could come and visit their CRO. You know, we've all moved. We've all pivoted now to basically, you know, sitting in our pajamas and taking calls all day long. Um, and so the world has definitely changed. And so we're seeing this adoption of um, a lot more um, remote activity. And I think, you know, really it's been fairly seamless. I mean, I think there's some frustration in not being able to have that personalised touch um, point, but I think the world has adopted very quickly and in the trial space, I think um, patients have also um, adopted this very quickly and are a lot more comfortable with um, feeling safer that there are electronic means of um, communicating and, and relaying data compared to um, what previously was um, a scheduled visit to a clinic. I love all that, and, and I love what you said. That now uh, everyone in the world knows what a clinical trial is. The, um, the for the, for those of us, and I assume most or all the people listening to this are in the life sciences industry. And I think uh, it's an amazing time for us because uh, everyone knows what we do now, and and everyone knows how important it is. I mean, I think I think it's really actually an amazing time in human history where the world is united, maybe for the first time in all of human history, behind a single purpose, which is to cure COVID nineteen. Uh, and we in life sciences are the solution to that. I mean, it's an, it's really an amazing position to be. I think it's sometimes easy to forget that as we're in the trenches and all the stress of the pandemic and the economic concerns and global protests and so on. But it really is an, an amazing time, and it's an honor for all of us to be to be a part of that. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on where you think things are going. So you've touched on it just now a little bit. Uh, in terms of people being more comfortable with being remote and doing their work in their pajamas and, <laughs> and all of that that we're all getting used to in, in every industry in the world. Uh, but do you have any other thoughts around where the industry is going? And then specifically, do you see anything uh, related to Australia and New Zealand uh, as a result of, of COVID-19 or just as a result of a mind shift um, that's, that's going to change the way things are done in 2021, 2022? Uh, during, the, during the pandemic or even beyond that, do you see uh, fundamental shifts uh, in the way that the clinical trial industry is going to be run? Yeah, well, I personally do. I think that um, COVID-19 has forced everybody to actually really adopt e-technologies, whereas I think, you know, that was always going to be the way of the world, but I think it's accelerated that. And I think post-COVID-19, and let's hope that's sooner rather than later, I think that we're going to see a dramatic shift to the use of um um, e-technology and a greater adoption of those. I think there will always be quite a balance between um, needing to do that face-to-face -face activity and having, um, you know, some um, actual physical on-site um, source data verification. And I think the regulators wouldn't allow that not to happen. But I think even in terms of, we've seen a great shift in terms of, um, you know, what the regulators are um, accepting to try and uh, facilitate, um, you know, treatments, cures and, you know, therapies for COVID-19. And I think we're going to see... Um, a really changed world moving forward with much greater adoption. And I think that's not going to just affect the clinical trial space. I think it's going to affect, um, in, you know, medicine and treatment of patients in general. Um, and I think that's going to actually mean that we're going to have, as Sandrine said, you know, there's nobody, the average person on the street knows what a clinical trial is. I think we're going to see better adoption of patients wanting to participate in trials. And I think there's a better acceptance globally by, um, you know, the communities of um, uh, 
uh, ha- what an important role um, life sciences plays in keeping everybody health and, you know, and healthy and safe, um, you know, and together. I mean, you know, uh, we're all in this together is a theme, a global theme now, but it is so true. We are one. Oh, I love that vision. I Myself, I had a, a dermatology appointment remote, first time I ever did that. It seemed to go great. Just took a couple pictures of moles and and, and doctor reviewed them and thought, thought they looked great. That seemed to work pretty well. And that uh, was brand new for them and for me. And then uh, your, your vision about where, uh, you know, where all this is going in terms of people just being more comfortable. Uh, I think it's... I think it's exciting for every industry and for certainly for um, for life sciences because I, I love how you touch on enrollment. And the number one challenge in clinical trials is getting enrollment, and and if if that vision that you just laid out comes true, people are more comfortable. They understand what it is. That's a boon to those patients who can get some medications they might not otherwise, or or, or, or uh, medical devices or whatever it may be that they that they can get they otherwise might not have access to. And then um, and then it's great for clinical trials to move the science forward more quickly and and get more treatments out to more people. So I love that vision. Thank I appreciate the two of you sharing that. Uh, before we end, any any other final thoughts? Anything else that we should touch on? Yeah, look, I completely agree with you, and particularly in terms of recruitment, and you touched on that perfectly. That is one of the biggest challenges for trials um, globally, and I think one of the obstacles has been, you know, that hassle of having to go into a clinic and be screened and have all of those assessments, and I know there's, you know, a lot of been adoption of phone screening and, you know, sending out surveys and that sort of thing, but I think, um, you know, some of the um, e-technologies in in terms of being able to do some of that uh, remotely is really going to be able to facilitate more effective um, recruitment and screening as well. Um, I don't think we'll ever get away from the value of a face-to-face um, consultation or um, assessment by clinicians, and that's obviously always going to be a very, very important part, and you can't dismiss that. But all of the pre-work that goes into that and and some of the time that's spent uh, on um, seeing people where you don't actually need to physically see them, this is where we're going to see those really big changes, and it's going to be such, I think it's going to create an environment that's going to be much more effective and efficient and I think that we're going to hopefully I would like to think that moving forward our clinical trials are going to be run far better because of this. Yvonne before we uh, before we end any final thoughts on on what's happening in Australia New Zealand or Yvonne's that would be relevant for uh, people listening to this and considering doing their clinical trials there? Yeah look in these difficult times I guess one thing we haven't touched on is there is an added bonus in working in Australia, is, and that is that the Australian government has a really attractive, in fact, it's the best in the world, R&D tax uh, rebate. So for eligible companies, and most biotechs are, there you can actually um, get a return of 43.5 cents for every dollar spent by doing your work in our region. So um, that's, you know, another good reason and an attractive reason to come to Australia. Fantastic. Well, Yvonne, Sandrin, thank you so much for sharing your, your deep expertise and what's happening in life sciences today on the ground, as well as your vision for where things are going, because I think uh, it's, it's sorely needed in this time where we're all struggling with so many things and in a really difficult time for the world. And yet uh, you're, you're a bright, bright light uh, amidst all of that. Uh, on, a, on a national basis uh, with Avance Clinical being so successful uh, for so many years and applying that experience now for the world uh, in a difficult time. So thank you so much for joining today and look forward to continuing to work with you. 